You remind me of the babes. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babes. Quiet! A goblin babe. Well. Hi, I'm Contrera and you're listening to Beyond Bechdel, a podcast about film and feminism, probably with one of my favourite intros of all time. This week's episode is about film criticism and the woeful lack of female film critics around the world. Luckily for us, we have Bianca Garner here, who is one of the many, many female film critics that are out there doing their jobs, reviewing films and not quite getting the exposure that male film equivalent critics do. We speak to Bianca about an article she wrote for Filmotomy.com, commenting on a recent American study that found for every one female critic, there were 3.5 males. Here's our chat. Hi, Bianca. Oh, hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be on, so thank <laughs> you so much. Oh, I always like that. Um, I think one of the reasons why we uh, connected was because of the lovely Twitter, um, where I think that you are one of the most positive forces in the film community, uh, always favouriting people's uh, tweets, always shouting out and like bringing back Follow Friday. Um, to people that you like and particularly I think um, uh, female writers and female centric articles although I notice that you've got like a broad range of people who you recommend um, and uh, you write for Filmotomy amongst other things and the, what we decided we would talk about today is a particular article that you wrote and is current currently uh, your favorited posted tweet at the top of your Twitter account so do you want to talk about um what motivated you to write the article and what it's about? Okay, yeah, sure. So um, the article uh, that, you know, is currently um, my favourite article, sort of, I think it's the best way to introduce who I am and everything. So I hope that when people go and look at my profile, they'll see that article. I'll be like, oh, okay, this, this <laughs> is who she is. Um, it's It was regarding the uh, USC uh, Amberg School of communication journalism uh, study uh, that was conducted over about 20,000 films, uh, film reviews, uh, written uh, about the top grossing films of 2017, um, where it was discovered that a shocking 82% were written by uh, white male critics, um, which uh, obviously is, is a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, it was discovered for every single female critic, there was the equivalent of 3.5 male critics, who, uh, which is really <laughs> crazy when, when we think about it, because, uh, well, the, the study was conducted in America, uh, where 39% of the population is white and 51% of the population is female. So... Uh, you know, that's a massive misrepresentation of the, the population. Mm. And uh, it, it, I just really felt like reading reading that study and the findings, I felt compelled to write about it, um, being sort of an aspiring film critic myself. Uh, I've encountered issues before in, in terms of, sort of sexism uh, and trying to, to sort of get my work out there. I, I write for a site called Filmotomy, which is great. Uh, I have a really great uh, editor uh, called Robin, and he, he set up the, the uh, website in order to sort of promote um, female filmmakers, independent film, uh, LGBT. TQ films and uh, world cinema so it's a, our website's different in terms of we don't really sort of do the blockbusters we cover more of the sort of uh, you know art house cinema world cinema and, and the films I like basically <laughs> <laughs> um, so I felt I, I really wanted to, to write about this in, in my sort of uh, article was how 
uh, I felt I didn't realize the problem was as bad until I sort of did the research and read mm. up about the study and then I was like yeah actually it is a problem and mm. um, it sort of you know I guess it was kind of like um, waking up to something it was a huge uh, revelation for me and and the response I've had to the article has been interesting as well uh, because I instantly when I started sharing it I, I got some sort of negative feedback from certain people and it was uh, were those people male yes <laughs> I think we need to call it what it is do you think you had some misogynistic feedback Yes, I, I think I've, I've had people say, uh, oh, uh, women aren't as obsessed as, uh, about <laughs> films as much as men, uh, which is insane because a lot of women I know uh, love film just as equally as much as ma- males do or, you know, even more. Uh, and then I've had people say, well, uh, women just need to start writing and, and doing their blogs and it's like what they do <laughs> the thing they are out there writing but they're just not getting the opportunity to have their stuff published by the major media outlets it's, you know it's, it's not as simple as just saying well women need to write more yeah but, but if they're writing and they're not getting published nobody's reading their work so it just it seemed like I was just trying to explain this to people and they were just like not listening so it, it was very frustrating to have that sort of reaction to the article so. well I, I've got lots and lots of things to say in response to that the first thing is is that one thing I've realized from everything that I've written about or made or worked on is that if people are responding then that's already a good thing. You're making your point. If you're irking someone, making maybe you're doing something worthwhile. I used to think, oh God, it's only the people who want to antagonize you and get into a fight who want to respond. But I think that um, they don't realize that they're um, echoing and emphasizing your point by getting into a debate with you and trying to argue against you. So I think that doing something provocative was um, an essential part of getting your message out there. It shouldn't have to be, but I think that you should be proud that you're already breaking down some barriers because that means people are reading that, even if it's a tweet and wanting to engage with you. And we keep saying people and we generally mean men because I can't imagine that any woman has uh, read that and come back to you and said, don't be ridiculous, women should not be film critics. (laughs) Um, no, I've, not, I've yeah. not had that. So. <laughs> no. So the, fir- the next thing I thought is that you said, oh, you don't think you're a critic. And I think that's another issue with women in the sense that I think you're a film critic, film reviewer, because you're writing your reviews. You have a film automatic has a podcast. Uh, you know, you're engaging with people. So for me, I think that there seems to be this differentiation between paid and non-paid or published in a major publication or not. And I think that hopefully the world is moving towards that not being the only barometer of you being a critic if you're saying a you know a full-time paid critic then I completely understand that you know that's that's a job open to so few people of whatever gender but um to me I think you're a critic and a female critic so yeah I'd like your article that's part of the reason why we're having this conversation um, and the third thing that I think um, is really interesting and the thing I kind of want to dive deeper into is where this idea comes from that women can't be or don't want to be criticising any form of art. Uh, I There is definitely this idea that film is something that belongs to men more than women. And historically, it certainly did in terms of all the makers of the films and, and, you know, heads of studios and all of those who make the creative decision making. But um, I, I, I don't know where this point of view comes from that women don't want to be obsessed with film. I don't know whether obsession even comes into it. So um, do you have any idea? It's it's very strange because for me, I've never been, I've always been passionate about film. 
uh, you know, from from a very early age. You know, I, I grew up watching as you know all sorts of films, probably some that I shouldn't have been watching as a child. Um, <laughs> but um, but I was always sort of encouraged by my parents to you know discuss film. You don't realise that there is a, a thing called a film critic as a child. I just like <laughs> about. I just like to write all. It was mostly just remembering the plot and, and then writing, regurgitating it. Well. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the origin of criticism. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think there's this strange thing that that it's men are always the ones inventing things, or you know, men are the ones who are the businessmen or whatever it's been. And it's always been this sort of idea that that's, um, men are the ones that are determined and the, the fighters. And I, I just think that that's got to the point now where it's anything that is shown as being relatively hard work to do is a sort of masculine trait. But it, it's not, it's, it's clearly not that because it, it's, if you're passionate about something, you'll you'll do it, and you're right, and you're you're keep trying to, to do it, even if you know, regardless of your gender. It it's it seems to me it just seems when I hear that people and read that it's like women aren't obsessed as men. Uh, it just doesn't. It sounds so bizarre. It's almost like saying that you know the world is flat. You know, I, I know it's not. It's just, doesn't I can't understand it and I can't really see why anyone would say that or just trying to to get a response you know possibly just being a troll yeah. or something I think trolling yeah might have something to do with it and obviously the idea that um you know a lot of men think that things are theirs and have always been theirs and therefore women are somehow taking away something and um, as we've kind of discussed on Twitter recently I believe that um things aren't owned by any gender i i think that maybe one of the bigger issues comes from that one to three uh, sorry 3.5 to one statistic which by the way your article made me laugh when you were like i don't understand the point five but uh, it's like i don't know yeah. a young man a small man i don't know um uh 3.5 male critics to every female and i think that there might be an echo chamber aspect so men only see film criticism written by men or primarily written by men so they obviously infer from that that it's only men that want to be the film critics and they don't understand that the barriers to entry faced by anyone who isn't a white straight cis man so I wonder if that's part of it because if if that's all you see you might be that people are just surrounded by or these men are just surrounded by other male film reviewers I definitely find on my personal twitter account um the majority of my film friends are still men. I try long and hard to look for women. I like talking to everybody about film, but um, I often see that there are more and more um, male critics, reviewers, people interested who talk to one another on Twitter, for example. Yeah, sorry, go on. Well, I, I was just going to say it, it's a very interesting point because I, when I was researching for my article, I typed in, I even brought this up actually, um, I typed into Google fa- famous film critics <laughs> and the first um, I think out of 20 there were only three women and then I typed in okay let's have a look and see what else you know maybe I can get some better results by use of different keywords mm. I was still uh, impressed by three out of 20 frankly yeah. but get, go on <laughs> um, then I typed in uh Movie, movie critics, you know, it's just changing the word from yep. film to movie. That got no women <laughs> results, which is bizarre because it's just literally changing one word. Uh, and then I typed in movie reviewers again, no women came up. And then I typed in famous film critics, and I think actually, again, I, I think with the um, exception of Pauline Kael uh, and a few other sort of more old school female mm. film critics, um, there were hardly any. Uh, and I was just thinking, wait a second, why is this the case? Why 
by replacing the words movie or you know to film and vice versa do I get a different result and it's just really strange because it's almost like movies are for men and and Mm. film is for for women Uh, and it's like film is seen as being about art yeah movies are just popular entertainment and you know men can just write about that they can write about the marvel movies and they can write about star wars and whatever else and I, i just it's very odd how you just saw how it would work in terms of Google. And I, I even sort of tweeted about it, and I was just like, Google, what's going on? Can you explain this? Why is this happening? And people then were like, oh, don't you know how Google works? Have you not typed in film critics? I was like, yes, I have. And I'm just saying, I'm typing movie, movie critics. Google explaining, I like it. So, yeah, it's really strange. I do think that maybe people caught up in this bubble and if they you know if they, they only see when you type in certain words and stuff that only comes up with men they're, in, they're going to assume that well that's because there aren't any women or you know they're just not as good as the male critics well I also think as well because of the patriarchal nature of everything if you say film critic or movie critic however you define it there's there's that kind of um idea that if you don't if you don't add a gender then it's default male so I wonder if and I don't know if you did do this but if you put in then female film critics female movie critics whereas suddenly it comes up as that because that's like an extra part that you somehow have to add on because the default is not Mm. female which is sad so silly absolutely silly Mm. because uh I don't have to type in male film critics to get um, you know a male you know, opinion just, yeah <laughs> it's just, it, it, so it really sort of baffled me and, and it really sort of led me on to to becoming a bit more vocal about it to the point where I think some people on Twitter have got very annoyed with me <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to shut up so <laughs> I'm going to continue to keep going on about it and continue to promote um, you know feet uh, you know, other film critics, female film mm. critics, uh, and their reviews. And, uh, yeah, it's actually quite exciting because now I feel sort of, uh, I've always been passionate about film, but now I feel even more passionate to write about it, keep on writing about it. So, Absolutely. Um, and I want to kind of go more into who you like and what you like and, and you know, what you like about the cinema but quickly and um, one point you said that I wanted to pick up on was um I I have recorded another um podcast with another Twitter friend called Just Jen and um we were discussing whether there is um a particular formula for trying to entice men and women to see a film in a trailer or what have you. And we came to the conclusion that men will watch a film with men in it and women will watch a film with men and women in it because, again, that's the default. And I think that there is a bias here. I think I'm willing to go further than you have so far and say I think men don't want to read female critics. They think it's lesser. I do think they think they can't have the same level of opinion, breadth of knowledge uh, that a man could, or let's say an established man. Like, um, I've raved and raved about The Guardian. I love The Guardian, ordinarily, but their film team was so white male for a long, long time. (laughs) Peter Bradshaw, Zambrooks, and I've read all of their stuff, and I'm not saying they're bad at their jobs, but I was just fed up of it. And then now they've developed some female voices, and um, it has been to, you know, has improved the quality of their reviews. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's milk. Who make milk? Um, something I want to get onto now, this has just reminded me, is a really um, interesting part of your article was the part about postpartum depression. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Sure, yeah. I was sort of... Um, I was looking at basically films that have recently been released. Uh, and You know, obviously, you can see sort of when you type into Google uh, the reviews and... Um, I happen to uh, think of, well, 
what's a film that's had a, a strong central female role? Well, actually, Tully has two. Uh, so I thought, okay, I will type, you know, Tully film reviews into into Google and see what comes up. And I was uh, actually, can I? I will say, I was horrified. <laughs> I was actually horrified. It was a real shock to me to see that there wasn't a, a single sort of review by by a female film critic that was being promoted. Um, and the thing was, to me, is it's a very sort of. I don't want to put make it so that women film reviewers only review films about women. No. Uh, I certainly don't want that. I don't want people to be put into a niche and told, okay, you, you're only allowed to watch ones with women in and review it. Um, but I do feel like certain films are, are very clearly dealing with, with issues that you know only women can, can really sort of associate with and identify with. You know, that's not to say that um, you know men don't office you know are aren't affected by uh, you know depression and, and so on and stuff like that. But it is it's cl- so clearly different for you know this is something that is pretty much unique to women only. Uh, and the fact that <laughs> I was struggling to find reviews where uh, which were by, by women sort of promoting this. I've, you know, to me, I I thought that would be one of the the things that you would see, like yeah. a moment you sort of type type that into to Google. So I don't know. It, it's kind of like I do read certain reviews by men, and some of them aren't that great. And um, I've watched the same film, and I've seen some, a, a certain uh, character in the film, or a certain uh, plot, or you know, discussion in the film, and I've clearly identified that as a issue to do with women and it's never so picked up on in in by other male film critics and it just seems to mean like frustrating very frustrating and the film directors clearly or you know all the screenwriters clearly had um this idea in mind you know the actresses you know uh, put this performance out and it's it's not really doing them justice either if it's sort of being ignored by the critic so I don't know it almost seems like we're seeing things through one sort of perspective it's just I don't know that was a sort of a real shock to me so yeah I, I just had to bring it up in the article because I, I just couldn't believe that was the case well unfortunately I can um (laughs) I think there's a lot to unpack here and um yeah all your points that have been great I think that um I completely agree that um women shouldn't be just reviewing films about women and on the flip side of that just to be fair we're not saying men can't review films about women um uh however I, I would go so far as to say I would trust a woman's, a female film critic's opinion on an issue that only affects women, i.e. having a child or the biological postpartum depression. Because there are things that men can have, and you do touch on this in the article, um, I know, but there are certain conditions, and being pregnant is very much one of them, one of the most important things <laughs> that's why we're all here today, that... A man can never, never, ever understand uh, um, what a woman goes through. Now, also, I don't know about you, but I haven't had kids, so perhaps I don't can't understand exactly what a woman goes right. through. But at least I understand having a period, or you know, um, <laughs> yeah. I understand that very, very well. And um, you know, and, and I have uh, close friends and my sister and, and lots of other people who've had a child. But I do believe that I think I would be most interested in an article about something about like Tully from someone who has experience whether it's just giving birth or also raising a child or having um postpartum depression so i think that yes absolutely i'm i'm not shocked but i think that's because again and i constantly bring up the film patriarchy but i do believe this is the main cause it's because when you don't when you don't know something you don't know that you don't know it and i think if you have a male a group of male critics they don't know that this may not be 
an example of um, a type of depression or something related to pregnancy and they don't know they don't they don't know that they don't know this because all they can do is say is this giving me an emotional connection yes could I imagine that this might be the case yes moving on and that's exactly the same as your point with um, a female character um part of the biggest issue I think with everything to do with this podcast and also film criticism as a whole is that um women in on one hand we absolutely wanted to be treated as equal to men in all walks of life wherever possible on the other hand we also want to show that there are different there are differences based on gender and um I do honestly believe that both of those things can work at the same time even though it's cognitive dissonance Uh, I think that um most women or a female critic might like you have yourself will have noticed something about a female character that the man wouldn't do but a man would notice it if it was the same character but of, of a different gender but if you don't have these voices amplifying the fact that something doesn't ring true or something rings particularly true then you can only take a class of people's word for it who don't fully understand what the portrayal might be so it can only be a good thing to have more women uh, reviewing films because having more opinions full stop is is great and also having opinions from a different gender that there will be something that is brought to the criticism um which leads me on to my next question uh firstly an admission i have a love-hate relationship with horror films okay and I think this is something which uh is part of the negative stereotype about female film reviewers in the sense that there are some films that I haven't watched because I know there are parts within them that are extremely gory I love psychological horrors like The Shining is one of my favorite films I loved it follows when it came out I love all of that tension but I'm not very good with pure gore. I watched The Thing. I thought that was hilarious. But um, I like that kind of silly gore. But um, a couple of films that spring to mind, and I'm not sure either of these are actually pure horror, but they have horror moments in, are Bone Bone Tomahawk, um, which I won't watch because of a particular scene, which I think involves a scalping and more so of someone. Yeah, exactly. And... um, uh, uh, and also Event Horizon, which I quite I might be able to bring myself to see now, but I know there's some horrible stuff that goes on towards the end of that movie. I don't know if you've seen either of them, but um, and um, I know that fits a gender stereotype, which is that women don't like scary movies or don't like gory movies, and that is true. I cannot give a fully conversive of every horror film opinion based on every horror film ever made because there are some I haven't seen however I have seen so many horror films and uh, feel that that shouldn't just because I haven't seen every film ever made particularly the gory ones that shouldn't mean that I can't uh, give critique or give my opinion on that so what's your opinion of horror for example as a genre and the role of women film critics well I find for me I am kind of a bit of an odd person when it comes to horror. I, I'm not very good with gore in real life. Like, I faked at the sight of blood. Oh. Um, so I'm quite... I must admit, I, I'm not very good when it comes to, you know, paper cut and I'm a complete wreck. Uh, even, like, the smallest of, like, wounds. I'm not very good with it. Um, but when it comes to watching it on screen, I know it's not real. I know it's just a movie. So with violent films and gore I I can just cope with that whereas like you were saying about psychological horror uh, uh, films which inflict pain on I would say sort of more innocent people especially anything involving children or animals uh, or or women it's really hard for me to watch Uh, I watch uh, although not a horror film Oh, I was about to say not a horror film. Uh, it's pretty horrible. Uh, I watched um, Irreversible uh, for the first time last ah, week. Ah, yes. And, and that to me is a horror film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's purely because of yeah. the way it, it, it treats its, its female uh, main character and the, 
the one scene which was horrific and was perhaps one of the most uncomfortable viewing experiences I've had for a very long time. Mm. And I think the, the problem when it comes to, to horror films is almost always you, you've got the victims being the, the female characters first. It's always, you know, I'm thinking of the really bad sort of 1980s slasher films, you know. <laughs> they go off into the woods and yeah. know, the girl is alone. And, you know, she almost always ends up with a top off for some strange <laughs> reason. Uh, and she's always the, the dumb blonde who, who ends up getting murdered by Freddy Krueger or whoever it is. And then on the other hand, you've got the final girl, which uh, mm. Carol J. Uh, Clover uh, talks about in Men, Women and Chainsaws. Mm. Uh, and how the final girl is almost like a male fantasy in a way, uh, because she's the, they can rep- see themselves represented in that character, even though she's a female. Uh, and often these final girls have very masculine sounding names, like, you know, Ripley, Stevie, uh, Laurie, you know, very sort of masculine sounding names. They can always identify with the main character, even if it's not, uh, you know, a male, because it is just essentially a male character, just, you know, happens to be played by an actress. Um, I think even Alien... Uh, the character of Ripley was originally going to be a man, you know, yeah. played by a male char- a male actor, but then they changed it to try and, you know, be a bit different. Um, and to me, it, that I think there's an improvement now happening in terms of horror um, in the genre. I, I definitely see things improving, especially with It Follows. Again, that was a really good... Uh, good film with a very believable female character. I think the final girl trope is going away though, isn't it? From the films that I can think of in one so maybe women can get more into criticism or be interested in horror films because um, maybe they can see themselves in the heroines or the heroes. Um, And I think, yeah, lots of ones that I've seen recently, I can't think of like there being one person at the end and maybe that's because they're all one sequel. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's more about a group. There seems to be like more group oriented instead of um, one at a time people dying. Like, I don't know, Final Destination was not necessarily Final Girl, but, you know, Final People. One of the best films that I've seen, which has been a horror film and has had a, a female cast, is The Descent, um, which is all about sort of uh, a band of, of girls going off to go cave exploring again this is the the fact that they're going cave exploring which is <laughs> something that you know you don't see other female characters do on screen it was amazing and um the i remember your podcast talking about fridging um <laughs> which I, I was just really gripped by i was listening to and i was like oh my gosh so many examples come to mind but in this is a opposite case of fridging where the main female character's husband and son die at the very start of the film which propels her story uh, so. I love a bit of male fridging as I said in that episode yeah. <laughs> but um, it's a shame that it has to be a, a but it's a trope yeah, yeah. It, it, but that that's a great example of how um, the horror genre is adapting and, mm. and now is uh, sort of thinking, okay, we we have a you know we do have the female audience here. Let's cater more to them. Mm. Uh, and I there's lots of great uh, independent horror films which you know, are, are emerging, which have some brilliant sort of complex female characters who aren't just sort of there for the first ten minutes mm. and then die off. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's. Yeah, horror is a very sort of interesting um, genre to sort of watch because I think it's probably the one that we can see the most development in. This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? I don't know. Sarah, 
think she saw someone back so there. So what? I don't think I saw someone. I saw someone. No, you heard something and you saw what you wanted to see. It's the dark. It plays tricks on people. And I suppose the flip side, I was listening to another podcast today and they were discussing rom-coms. And um, I think I... <laughs> Dad, you found that funny? And um, uh, I was thinking again, and I was getting annoyed, and I didn't know whether I was right to feel this way, but there were two um, uh, male uh, podcasters and one female, and um, they were talking about all their favourite rom-coms, and they were listing them. And the majority of the ones that the male characters list, uh, male characters, sorry, male podcasters listed, uh, had a male protagonist and they were very much a male journey. And I absolutely love rom-coms. Is it anything to do with my gender? I don't know. I just, I, I'm more likely to give a rom-com a chance than um, any other film. But there are certainly lots and lots of bad ones as well as good ones. But I kind of thought that if you have all of these male reviewers, just reviewing rom-coms and they want to go through the hero's journey, which is exactly the same really as horror in that sense. Mm. Um, it, it seems like it's narrowed down the fact that it's widely regarded that there's a larger female audience for rom-coms. And I think that, again, things are slightly changing nowadays with a female protagonist and um, male and female uh, viewers watching it. But I, I feel like, I wonder what we would have had if we'd have had more female film reviewers oh. in, I don't know, 10 years ago. There was a big heyday, 80s and 90s, and then... We're only just coming back to like another new wave of decent yeah. rom-coms now. Well, I, it seems odd to me because when I was sort of researching into uh, famous film critics, um, the 1920s was a time where fe- I thought it would be actually less female film critics, but there were. It was almost, um, you know, very broad amount of, of, of critics out there and it, a lot of them were female because the those attending the cinemas it was actually a large majority of women attending mm. cinemas it is odd in terms of how i don't understand in terms of like how a male critic can sort of review certain films that are obviously intended for women and i think that's often why uh, i'm not a huge fan of rom-coms but that's you know, uh, I'm I'm very sort of yeah, I'm not that that type of person. But uh, you I can know, stick to I'm the not... gore, Bianca. I'll stick with the rom-coms, and you can watch the gory horrors. Everyone's happy. Sorry, as you were yeah. saying. No, that's fine with me. You do that. Yeah, you do the rom-coms, and I'll, I'll stick to the horror. But I can understand why they appeal to to women, and and to I think that the reason that they almost get a negative rap is because of the the critics who are reviewing them because they just you know don't focus on what you know the the, the they do have like uh, promote sort of uh, female friendship these uh, often don't they rom coms mm-hmm. like, you know the ones that spring to mind were uh, clearly Sex and the City and uh, Made in Manhattan even Pretty Woman there's you know, she's got her female friends, and I think maybe, you know, the, the male critics would see that and not really identify with that, and then, be like, mark the film down because of that, maybe, and, you know... <laughs> That's what watch. I worry about. I worry that they yeah. say, this isn't for me, so it can't be for anyone. That's mm. always the problem with film criticism anyway. It's to mm. what extent people trust the reviewer. And a lot of people will either, you know, nowadays everyone wants to argue against everyone. So maybe people want to take <laughs> contrary opinions. But it used to be that, you know, people like, you know, Mark Kermode, Simon Mayo, people, uh, Barry Norman in this country. And then, yeah, Roger Ebert, most famously in America. And mm. they were the people who you thought, well, if they like it, then I might like it. And yeah. I've just, you know, mentioned three men. So, um, and that's, you know, that, that's probably a bit insulting to all three of them because they're probably much better at promoting all sorts of different films. But if if a reviewer does have power and if a reviewer says they, work, they um, won't like something and they're male and they have male 
um, readers or viewers, then they will say, well, I won't like that. That's a guy. I recognize him. He seems similar to me. I like what he says before, so therefore I won't see this. And then there's also yeah. the, the societal pressures that apparently you know women aren't supposed to like gory things or something that involves mm. pain and men aren't yeah. like to aren't allowed to like things that um have visible showing of emotions so i do think that societal pressures are part of the problem um and also that again like as i was going back to before i do think there are gender differences but i think what's really important that's come out of this conversation between you and i is that we're both identify as women and yet yeah. we don't feel the same way about two very popular film genres so I, I think this is kind of like quite made the point quite well that there you yeah, know exactly. any two women aren't necessarily going to like all of the same types of film just like any two men but also we do feel the same way about films and our love for films and um if our voices are out there then maybe other women will get more into film or start thinking about it or hopefully start reviewing it and blogging yes. and podcasting and everything themselves you like them yeah you definitely like them willie's not a bum he's a rich classy guy who's gonna break my heart right oh no come on you don't know that hey he asked you right maybe you guys could like um you know, get a house together and, like, buy some diamonds and a horse. I don't know. Anyway, it could work. It happens. When does it happen, Kit? When does it really happen? Who does it really work out for? Did it work out for Skinny Marie or Rachel? Those no. Those very specific cases of crackheads. I just want to know who it works out for. You give me one example of somebody that we know that it happened name for. Name someone? Yeah, you want me to name someone? You want me to, like, give you a name or yeah, something? I'd like a name. Oh, God, the pressure of a name. Cinder fucking Rella. <laughs> I think it was uh, Brie Larson who said about why do you, I want to read a review uh, Wrinkle in Time uh, written by uh, a, a white, boring, middle-aged man or something. The same review. Because it was, you know, they really sort of... I haven't seen that film and I, I don't think I will see it because it's not really my type of film, but... I think it was getting a lot of negative press and it mm. was because it was being reviewed by men who... I'll give you... Know, you really yeah, I'll give you a little review right now. I've seen A Wrinkle in Time. I'm a woman and I'm not a, a woman of colour and I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Do I think it was the best film ever made? No. Do I think that you could see the $100 million budget on screen? Yes. Is it actually designed for the average white male... Um, reviewer, no. I think it definitely talks. I, I just don't think it is. I, I still think that there are that films are designed for different audiences. That's why there's yes, testing and all of this kind of thing. And I and I was quite upset. I, I agree with you. I think it was lots of negative publicity and so much more riding on Ava DuVernay because apparently she was the first woman of color to have this much budget and make a big film. And if it doesn't make six hundred million, then it's a failure. And I thought that you here's something that I want to make clear I don't think you can tell in a wrinkle in time that it was directed by a black woman in terms of the technical aspects but in terms of the storytelling I feel like it was something I hadn't seen before and I also had read the book and the book was written um about I don't know 60 years ago by maybe earlier by a white woman a white upper class white woman and I think that a different film came out of that and that showed to me how much you need not only fil film reviewers who are not white straight men but also filmmakers who aren't who are providing something different in a way I'm sort of glad that they didn't like it personally, but I'm not glad when this homogenous group of people are stopping other people from watching mm -hmm. it because they weren't sure about it. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's once a film, once a film gets sort of a few negative um, reviews and a few, you know, uh, rotten tomato scores, and it it it, it kind of. It feels awful to me that then it, you know, we've that film is instantly a bad film. 
just and the fact that you know if a film doesn't make more money and it just breaks it even that means it's a flop exactly yeah this is something that really upsets me and I, I think you know we should obviously being a film critic is something that we should you know I do enjoy doing I do like writing about it but you know don't go see a film just because I wrote a good review about it don't go see a film because I wrote a negative or don't go see it because I wrote a negative review about it although I never try to write a negative review uh, only if I really don't like it but <laughs> I always try to be constructive yeah exactly uh, I think that's the purpose of reviewing and I don't think every reviewer necessarily thinks that because I also think it's clickbaity to say something mm, that um, if you're really yeah. really criticizing someone particularly in the social media world um, that we live in I just want to quickly talk about well rant about aggregators <laughs> I I think that one of the biggest um, uh, bars to female film critics getting more of their work out there is the fact that Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes and other aggregators look at numbers and mm-hmm. also look at people who've already been in the system and have been rated highly before and at the moment um that's always going to skew towards the male critics because there's more of them out there writing yeah. regularly and being paid to write regularly. And also there's a body of work they've already established, which is often what you need to have before people will take your opinion seriously. So um, mm-hmm. there really needs to be some kind of algorithm that would yeah. upweight um, the voices that aren't heard as much and I wonder if there was even a little test that Rotten Tomatoes could do where you know for just one film or like one week they just skewed everything to new writers or you know writers who were mid aggregated table and then see what would happen to the box office figures of the film I'd love to have some kind of study yeah yeah I think that that's that would be great. I, I did hear that there was going to be a feminist Rotten Tomatoes um, called, sort of like alternative to Rotten Tomatoes, called Cherry Picks. Oh, yes, I've heard of this, yes. Which I would be very excited for because that will be sort of uh, calculating all the reviews by women critics. And I think we would see quite a lot of differences uh, in terms of like certain films getting l- maybe lower scores, higher scores. Um, because of you know how they were viewed by a, a, a female critic and you said that so your parents sound like they were a bit of an influence on you so they were into film when you were younger so what yeah. prompted you to start writing about it, or get m- more into kind of you know understanding the 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 artistic process and the business of cinema yeah um so I think to me I I wanted to become a I still would love to become a screenwriter mm-hmm. um, because I've always liked making up my own stories and, and, and you know, I watch it. See, I often watch a film and think I could have done that better. Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, That's the second um, podcast where we talk about all the directors and screenwriters that aren't women. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, some of my favourite films do have male protagonists, you know, uh, but then there, there were, I, you, I, I think if a character's well written enough, it, and you can identify with them, no matter what gender they are, uh, if they're a decent, you know, it, if they're a well written, well developed character, they're three dimensional, and they have a clear sort of arc to them, and they're not just sort of passive or, you know, they're engaged with the story and the characters around them, mm. and. A lot of the films that I watched as a child did have, you know, um, I was sort of drawn to, I think, one of my favourite films as a child was The Labyrinth. And that was, uh, (laughs) which I loved. And I would, you know, watch that film and I, I found it refreshing that the character was Sarah and she was very much, you know, uh, like a lot of the, the other male, um, you know, roles I saw in various different movies, watching them in the 80s and sort of early 90s. And um, for me, being, uh, I moved around a lot as a child, so, you know, uh, it didn't really, uh, went from different schools and stuff. And mm-hmm. I could always go back to my love for movies. That was something that was constant for me. 
And then I thought, I didn't realise you could study film uh, until I sort of got to college level and then uh, and then was like, went to the careers advisor and I said, oh, I think I want to, to make films. And they were like, uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, that's not a very good idea. We don't recommend you doing that oh, type God. of thing. Yeah. And yeah, really... When you're 17 and, you know, here and now you're trying to make a decision about where you want your life to go, it was kind of very negative. And, and when I happened to mention, uh, we started talking about uh, film critics in film studies class. And I was like, actually, I like that idea of writing, of being a critic. And, but we never really sort of read reviews by women. That's the one thing I remember. Uh, so I thought I was... You know, it was something that was for men to do. And then when I got into university and um, I had a really great lecturer uh, who was uh, this wonderful woman called Donna. And she set up a, a magazine for the sort of university about film and television. And she was the really sort of one that helped me sort of get into it. And, and then uh, I sort of just started writing again. Uh, did my own blog for a while then got approached by people and then then I found myself at Filmotomy <laughs> it's been a long process but I think it's been I, I've had moments where I sort of think oh I should just stop and I have stopped briefly for a year um, and then well, it was, I think that year was 2016 and some major stuff happened and everything sort of go, went to you know went all crazy <laughs> in the world uh, and I thought well you know I'm sort of nearly getting to 30 uh, there's no time like the present and I thought well this is it I'm going to start writing and I haven't really stopped and I, I try and write at least two to four reviews a week really so that's amazing that's a good <laughs> output yeah well <laughs> I watch a lot of films <laughs> I have to write about them because it, it's just how I process watching a movie. Now it feels weird if I watch a film and don't write about it. Do you have any advice then based on your experience on what the industry can do to help women get into critiques? It sounded like you had an excellent teacher, lecturer who helped you, but you also had part of your education system that told you you couldn't do it or you shouldn't do it. Yeah, um, I really don't. See, the thing is, it's don't listen to any. Don't listen to other people's opinions. Um, <laughs> if you want to do something, just do it. Really, basically, uh, the fact that um, the careers advisor told me not to do it, maybe, and, and I went back home and I sort of told my dad, and he was just like, "Yeah, no, just ignore her." Well, he said something else, but <laughs> <laughs> did he use expletives? Ah. Yeah, yeah, he did, um, and. He said to me, just, if you've got a passion for it, just do it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think you should just write as much as you can. Um, do, uh, put your work out there. Um, promote yourself. You know, there's nothing, there's no shame in promoting your own work. You shouldn't Absolutely like not. I mean, I do mm. feel like often there is a sort of negative idea of being seen as, narcissistic or something for sort of promoting your own work and blowing your own trumpet but you know you you are your sort of you are your biggest cricketer and your biggest fan at the same time so you know uh because if I hadn't started um being on Twitter and being a presence on Twitter and, and retweeting my stuff and I don't think I would have got um, offers through as you know well it would have taken a longer time um, so you've really got to sort of follow the right people as well and make a network with mm. people like you know promote their work and you know ask for them to promote yours you know what at the end of the day you know they the, the only thing they can do is say no <laughs> which then you sort of realize that mm, maybe you have to brush it off and carry on. Um, yeah. I would also say as well that um, something that I think is important to, to say in terms of your networking skills is that you are very much um, 
about promoting other people's work as well as your own and that you know there is this idea that good things happen to good people and I really hope that that continues to be the case but that was certainly how you came to our attention which is that you were very happy to compliment other people I think that the worst thing about working in film criticism is the word criticism which everyone has a negative connotation for but if you actually look in the dictionary it's about reviewing something and it can be good or bad and it's just coming up with your opinion on how a film works and what it did for you and um I love it when there's something good that you can shout about and I think you're a very firm advocate of uh celebrating other people's success particularly women and is there anyone in particular you want to talk about who's writing you like um yeah obviously there's a very a few sort of um I say famous critics I don't know how famous they are um to me they're famous and that's like the most important thing we'll make them a Um, little bit more famous by being on this podcast (laughs) just a little yeah um well current film critics that are you know working at the moment um there's Michelle Orange uh Karina Longworth uh Linda Holmes Sasha Stone uh Kristen Lopez, who I will give a big shout out to, because uh, uh, she's sort of, uh, I write for her site CC2K online as well, uh, as a film me, so um, she's great. Uh, she's been really supportive as well, so um, Helen, Helen O'Hara, and obviously, you know, Pauline Kale was a huge influence on me, um, uh, Laura Mulvey's work, um, Iris Barry, oh my gosh, there's so many, and Bilson. <laughs> I mentioned Carol J. Uh, Glover uh, earlier, uh, Kathleen Manson. Um, oh my gosh, that's quite a few, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> um, but I think people forget how sort of impactful that female film critics have been on, on sort of cinema as well. Um, Absolutely. So I mentioned Pauline Kale and, and Laura Mulvey. Uh, you know, Pauline was amazing at sort of promoting um, directors uh, in sort of the 1960s and 70s that shaped uh, the new Hollywood uh, movement. You know, she was the one mm-hmm. who, who made Bonnie and Clyde, you know, a box office hit if it hadn't been for her sort of glowing review about it. And obviously, uh, Laura Mulvey's, you know, we wouldn't have the work she did on, on the male gaze, you know, even though I think that's obviously quite flawed now, um, it's certainly sort of got people thinking and uh, watching movies in a different way that they wouldn't have done. And I don't think, you know, uh, male film critics could have done the same thing as, as you know, those uh, women did. And there's so many, and I think people need to just sort, sort of go out there and do their own research and come across because, you know, I've I've read reviews from people I, you know, wasn't even aware of and um, they've moved me in such a way. And it sounds silly when I say it like that, they moved me, but, you know. No, I don't think it sounds silly. <laughs> I think writing can definitely move people and it's really nice to hear that female film writing is doing that. And um, I'd like to add Katie Smith-Wong and Becky Matthews, who have both appeared on... Um, earlier uh, episodes of the podcast and also Amanda Keats who has just told me she's going to come on a later um, episode of the podcast and made me very happy Um, and obviously uh, Courtney Hodgkiss is getting into comedy writing from other episodes so I I, I am sort of plugging people who've already been interviewed but that's because (laughs) I like their writing and I don't think any of them get enough uh, respect or applause for it and also that's covering the gamut of uh, of women writers also Just Jen who uh, will come in the um, will be on a future pub, uh, published episode of the podcast who refuses to be called anything else than just Jen and as a person who likes to call themselves Contrera I'm all about the uh, you know secret identity superhero so um, thank you so much for all those names that's brilliant what do you think about the Bechdel test? I you know I think it is something that we need it is clearly that the, we wouldn't have it if we didn't need it that's always my sort of perspective on things I, I hate that idea of having quotas to 
you know, we've got to meet and tick off boxes and stuff. But, you know, uh, sometimes I think it's almost necessary in order for things to change and get it to some sort of level normality, really, and even balance. But I have no problem whatsoever with quotas or any affirmative action. And I think that you'd have to then drill it down even further into race, uh, sexual orientation, uh, location, maybe even like class. I don't even know if you can, if you can get how you'd even measure that. But, um, uh, I think it's a great thing. Uh, disability, uh, lots of different ways yeah. that you can have the intersection of uh, female critics. But the thing is, it's easy for me to say that because that would be, you know, getting back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, that would be taking away something only from white straight males. Like also black male film critics, of which I think there are probably more than there are female or certainly, you know, th- th- they might be higher profile, but there certainly aren't enough of those. Or Asian no, male critics, I... I, I, I African man, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I know a few people, but um, yeah, it's 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 getting rid of the white straight male as the only voice of cinema. That um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all for quotas. Yeah. Mm, well, that's the thing I said in in my sort of tweet was I'm you know it, I didn't just mention female film critics. I, I mentioned you know people of color, yes. LGBTQ, you know, uh, just diverse. I want a diverse uh, set of voices that we can all sort of, you know, read and, and listen to. And because, you know, we don't, like I say, 52% of the cinema audience are women, you know. Um, it's crazy, isn't it, that we're just not yeah. being catered to sufficiently. Every time I talk to someone about this, I'm always shocked. I'm like, how is it that we're still thinking this okay? But when I was when I was talking to just Jen, she, I was saying to her, you know, you're a woman of colour. What do you see? And she goes, well, I'm just used to it. So now I just like get over that hurdle immediately. And I think, do I like this film even though it doesn't really represent me? And I just think, wow, it's this is how we just get so comfortable um, yeah. in a system that doesn't benefit us. But um, before I go all, like, you know, uh, political, um, <laughs> what, what, what are your, some of your favourite films? And, and if they are if they are Bechdel passing, Tess passing, I'd be even happier. But any film, male protagonists are okay here. <laughs> um, so one of my favourite films is Easy A, uh, which I believe does pass the test. Um I love Emma Stone. Basically, anything with Emma Stone in is yeah. like amazing. She's such a great actress, and um, I think for me that is such a. It takes the sort of teen, like comedy drama type of thing about coming of age, and it kind of makes it a little bit refreshing, and it's very sort of original. And I just like that film because it's it's my feel good movie. So now everyone that knows the truth is either gone or they won't fess up. And Marion Bryant and her disciples are demanding my head. The messed up thing is I would not put it past Principal Gibbons to expel me. I had a similar situation when I was your age. What? Everyone called you a slut? I had a horrible reputation and people said awful things about me. Why? Because I was a slut. One of my favorite films of last year was probably Phantom Fred. Uh, which, again, had a very interesting, complex character, uh, you know, female, female character and male character as well. Well, two, two good um, female characters, actually. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Leslie, I've forgotten her surname. Is it Manville? Dom? Oh, Manville, thank you, as yeah. um, the sister. And then I've completely forgotten the name of the actress, who, but she was amazing. Uh, who... Vicky Crates, oh. I think. Is yes. Crates. Thank you yeah. very much. I've only just watched it and she's great. And I apologise, Vicky. Well, I'm sure you're listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Phantom Thread. Um, uh, also, Killing of the Sacred Deer, which I, uh, I'm just listing films that I've watched recently. So, <laughs> That's all right. Um, again, I thought that was a great film, uh, although uh, you know, a bit strange, and a bit weird and not to everyone's taste. But I, I kind of do like films that do sort of... Um, test my sort of uh, experience and, and patience and stuff uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, um, Bergman films so mm-hmm. again Persona I reckon that must pass uh, pass the test um, 
that's an amazing film with two central female yes. leads. Is Liv Ullman one of yes. them? Yeah, because she's in a lot of, because I haven't seen Persona, I've seen Cries and Whispers, I've seen, I've seen lots of uh, famous ones. Um, Cries and Whispers has quite a few female characters in it as yes. well, so Persona. Um, this is a broad gamut. I like yeah. it. Yeah. What about anything? Um, is there anything you really like that's, um, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, a guilty pleasure? That's a non Bechdel trespassing film. Uh, Connor. <laughs> Put the bunny back in the box. Uh, basically anything with Nicolas Cage in. Oh. Like, like You've got plenty pleasure. to choose from, many of which won't pass the Bechdel test. Losing yourself, you know, for two hours in, in a good film. There's nothing better than that. I agree. Let's end on that note. Thank you so much, <laughs> Bianca Garner. That was great. Thanks so much to Bianca. She can be found on Twitter at the Film B. That's the Film B E E. And she writes for many places and records other podcasts for filmotomy.com and cck2online.com, many other places. Please check out her work. Our intro music and to play us out was from the wonderful David Bowie and its magic dance from the film Labyrinth. Until next time, you remind me of the babe. What kind of magic spell to use? Slime and snails or puppy dog tails under all and baby said Dance magic dance magic dance So let's talk about you. What's your bra size? No. Um <laughs> Oh, this podcast took a turn, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs>